it's hard to find someone that's willing to put the amount of time into this business in today's society for sure i think a lot of people kind of want things handed to them unfortunately welcome back to how he does it season two episode five on today's episode we have chester yao a luxury real estate broker at nest seekers living in new york city from selling million dollar homes to the ins and outs of building a successful team chester talks to marcus and i about the foundations of the real estate business Chester, thank you for joining us today. Of course, thank you for having me. So Chester, I know you as a real estate agent. Do you prefer agent or broker? What is the difference? So a broker is when you own a brokerage. Okay. An agent and a salesperson is when you're part of a brokerage. If you're licensed as a broker, but under a brokerage, then you're an associate broker, which which that's what I am. Mm-hmm. But real estate agent is fine. Make Fantastic. Yeah. Tell us how you got into it. So I grew up in Singapore. Okay. Uh, you know, did the military there for two years and then went to Hawaii to do my undergrad, my bachelor's degree. Did an internship here and some volunteer work here in New York City. Kind of uh, met a girl and then decided after I graduated that I was going to make the move to New York City. Uh, wanted like a huge city vibe, kind of similar to Singapore. You know, tall buildings, lots of people, fast pace, and then uh, moved to New York City. Wasn't doing real estate. And after about one and a half to two years, was introduced to it by a friend. And yeah, that's and then just took off. And next, you know. Hmm. What did you study in your undergrad? Political science. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I knew that <laughs> because my dad also did in college. And that was something that I found us to have in common. Um. Why did you choose to be in the military? It's so in Singapore, it's mandatory for every male to serve two years. Um, you know, if not, you can never come back. Interesting. Was there really? a specific purpose? Um, it's kind of like Korea, Israel, mm-hmm. where you know they just make everybody serve in case there is an outbreak or some kind of war situation. Um, so I was just drafted. Um, didn't have a choice, honestly. How was it? It was great. Uh, I was a paratrooper, so I jumped out, jumped off planes, helicopters. Wow! And then I was a sniper for my company as well for two years. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. so casual. (laughs) You know, just jumping out of planes. It's been a a while. It's between eighteen to twenty years. Okay. So yeah, I bet you developed a lot of discipline then that you use now in your business or just hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's. you know, making your bed, simple stuff like making your bed, make your bed tidying up your room, um, folding your clothes, ironing your clothes, doing your own laundry. So just being very independent. Yeah. yeah. And that helped when I went to college because my parents just shipped me off on a plane to Hawaii by myself. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. What was the transition where you decided that you were going to fully invest in real estate as a career? Um, so I started real estate in 2014. First year was really tough, like any other entrepreneur sales business trying to hustle trying to meet new people network Um, but you were working for someone right i was working for a team leader at that time interesting but i think i was still trying to figure out the the business myself i would say i was fully invested into real estate when i managed to join uh ryan serhan's team Mm -hmm. uh 
who he is on Bravo TV on Million Dollar Listing New York, I think that's when I really felt like, okay, like I'm in it for, you know, for a long haul. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the interest. Was the interest in, yeah, this is a profitable business in New York City? Were you just interested in property? Were you interested in the business aspect of it? Yeah. You know, in, in, the funny thing is in Asia, you know, real estate agents are looked upon a little bit differently because mm-hmm. the barriers of entry is so easy, right? And most of them are unfortunately like high school dropouts, you know, not college uh, undergrad holders. Mm-hmm. So when I first started real estate, my parents were 100% against it. They didn't wow. like it at all. They thought like I should be doing something better with my life, doing my master's or something like that. But I realized that uh, before I transitioned into real estate, I was dealing dealing a lot with international, um, I was doing supply chain management. So dealing a lot with international clients coming in and they would always ask about real estate here. And, you know, I'm from Singapore. I speak Mandarin. I looked apart, I understand the culture. So I figured why not? It's something mm-hmm. at, in 2014, the money was coming in a lot from China, Hong Kong, Korea, Taiwan, Singapore too. Mm-hmm. And so why not take advantage of that that situation? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you touched on the people who transition into real estate because I think what a lot of people think is, well, you can just take this test online and then find a company to work for and all you have to do is sell. And here you sit and you talk about challenges and it took you almost a year to get intertwined in the business. Mm-hmm. Talk about the structure of what it means to be successful in real estate. Um, hard work. I would say like any entrepreneur, just, you know, you have no one that tells you what time to wake up, what time to go to bed, what to do. So having like a really structured day, being really organized, um, and knowing that you're making everything that's commission based. So managing your finances correctly, know what you're investing in and just staying very disciplined, you know, and obviously trying to meet as many people as you can and trying to learn as fast as you can because this business, there is a lot of people and at the same time, it's really cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it a lot of commission? It depends. Um, you know, there's rentals, the rental market. Mm-hmm. So those come in faster just because, you know, people move in and out uh, at a higher frequency, uh, but the commissions are a little bit lower. Um, and then sales is where you want to be with bigger sales and bigger commissions. I think people also miss out that you do have to give your brokerage, your company a split, and then you have to pay your taxes. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Is that the only way brokers make any money through commission or is there commission, any salary yeah. base? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are salary base. Uh, if, for example, if you're working for a developer or like a management or if you've gone to a couple of those rental buildings and there's an on-site salesperson, mm-hmm. on-site rental person, they are mostly, I would say, half salary base, half commissions. But the thing about them is they don't have the flexibility. So they have to be in that building like mm-hmm. 9 to 5, yeah. Monday to Sunday, that kind of thing. Gotcha. You can't really go after other business. With you saying that there's a lot of people in the business and it's cutthroat, what sets you and your team apart? How do you find that thing where is it the way that you engage with your clients? Is it the specific territory that you're working in that makes you stand out from the others? Right. So, you know, I I was with Ryan, Ryan's team, Ryan Saran's team for a while. 
and I really leverage his platform. I'm not、mm. gonna lie. Like he has, or at that point he had half a million followers on Instagram. I think now he's at one point five or something. Yeah, you know the show is a big thing in New York City. Everybody watches the show.、Mm-hmm. Uh, Bravo TV. So it was very easy for me to sell myself、uh, to developers, to sellers, to landlords, because I have his backing, his name, and I bring him along with me. Yeah. And who doesn't like a tall, good-looking white guy? <laughs> very charming. Yeah. Very. Um, he's very persuasive, you know, in his own way. Um. So I learned from the best.、Mm-hmm. I absorbed everything that I could, and then. You know, I make the decision to branch out myself and form my own team.、Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what stands out is really, you know, just the knowledge of the business, knowing the process. Obviously, I come from Asia, so a bunch of my clients are fortunately from Asia.、Mm-hmm. Um, so there's 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 this、uh, connection there. But really, just I mean, I think my time with him was very valuable、yeah. for me to just branch out myself. Yeah,、mm-hmm. and when it comes to strategy, because you mentioned earlier about、uh, working in Harlem or the Bronx and what it would look like for an Asian walking around trying to sell a property,、right. when it comes to being strategic, <laughs> are those the things that you have to consider as well? Of how am I presenting to、uh, the person I'm trying to sell a home to? Would it be better for someone who looks like them, knows their culture? Should I use that? Should they use that agent? How do you?、Uh, I mean, I、that? think it's a very sensitive topic, especially right、yeah. now with everything that's going on. But you know, I think for the most part, certain race or ethnicity feels more comfortable、mm-hmm. with their own. You know. Yeah. So I obviously have people on my team that maybe I feel better suited, maybe better understand. Their culture, what they're looking for, yeah. And if I can understand that, then obviously I would do it.、Mm-hmm. Um, but like I was talking to you prior, like when I first started real estate, places like Bed Stuy and Bushwick, those were like just non-existent, just because no one wanted to buy there or、yeah. invest there. And now I have my Asian clients and other clients too. Everyone's going there.、Mm-hmm. Price points, they're all new construction, they're built well. And、they're affordable. Yeah. So I think gentrification can be both positive and both negative. It's just how you look at it, and you know, and just try to understand that sometimes just kind of control things、mm-hmm. from the city. Yeah. yeah. That conversation is a great segue into my next question, which is about luxury. I feel like in conversation today, that line is so blurred of、mm-hmm. you know what that means, and before it was associated with some kind of exclusivity, right? But In a society now where everything is available, what do you consider to be luxury, and do you consider yourself a luxury real estate broker? Um, I consider myself a luxury agent for sure. That means catering to luxury clients with higher price points. But I don't close myself off to my friends and family who are just starting out, you know, with lower price points as well. Because I think it's all about relationships. All about staying that course, because one day they're gonna reach that level of luxury as well. What I consider luxury would be anything above three million, because I think when you, once you reach that price point, they have a certain amount of income, certain lifestyle, certain needs and wants are a little、mm-hmm. bit different than the normal day to day people like us. 
Can you tell us a bit about that? This profiles of people. Yeah, it's interesting because you would think that sometimes they're harder to deal with, yeah. but sometimes they're actually very easy to deal with because you're dealing with their managers, you're dealing with their assistants. They're not there physically, or sometimes they just show up once or twice and they make a decision based off that. For the most part, they don't take the subway. <laughs> so, either getting a driver mm -hmm. or Uber for that day for the tourists is, is necessary. They like to talk things over during dinner, over drinks, in a less intimidating atmosphere. Okay. But then you get those that are a little bit nitpicky as well, and they just want something very specific, whether it's the finishes, the location, um, Maybe they had their first date there, mm -hmm. you know. So I would say, yeah, those are the kind. But definitely, definitely at least I know they don't take the subway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is luxury. <laughs> I, mean, I would assume so. Right. We can afford yeah. that house or apartment. But also there's people like Keanu Reeves who will enjoy taking the subway even though he can't afford a property like that, which mm -hmm. is so interesting. But is there a successful way to sell a property? Is there... Are there any times you go into a place and you're like, you know, I'm going to sell this? Like, it's very obvious to me. Um, I mean, it all comes down to price, really. Price per foot, what you're selling it, what has traded around the neighborhood, what has traded in the building. And then you can kind of bring the rest of the marketing together. But if something's really overpriced, no matter how much marketing you do, it will never sell. Um, that said, you can kind of stretch it a little bit um, in today's world, we do press, so like New York Times, magazines. Uh, the last few years, obviously, with Instagram, with videos. Mm. Now you see people doing vlogs of properties. I love that little... you said vlogs. I mm -hmm. thought it was vlogs, but vlogs is much more chic. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe vlogs. it's vlogs. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's vlogs, but vlogs is fine. Yeah. yeah. So... You know, those things have been pretty recent, I think, like maybe the last one or two years, especially with COVID. Yeah. Everybody kind of switched to like virtual 3D tours because you can't go in during COVID. You just have to spread your marketing out as far as you can, the most that you can uh, to try to sell it. You just never know where that one buyer comes from. Yeah. You only need one. Well, I feel like the beginning stages is obviously posting about it, whether you're doing magazine, social, whoever is vlogging about it so people know that the property exists, right? Mm -hmm. So they make that appointment, they look at the property. How do you go further persuading this mm -hmm. person when they're not sure? Because I think that's the key, right? Is there any successful formula to that of following up? No, I mean, it's all about, like you said, following up. Sometimes they are represented by an agent. Mm -hmm. So you're working with the buyer's agent. Um, so that's can be a good or bad process depending on the agent's reputation and how they work. Uh, if you're dealing with the buyer directly, then it's just follow up. Asking questions, that's very important. Um, just feeling them out. You know, I think most buyers in in the US or in the world, they will only make about one or two purchases in their whole entire life, if you think about it, right? Wow, yeah. I mean, it's unless you're a serial investor or you're, you're really, really wealthy, then sure. But most people, they're looking for their forever home or maybe just their first home. And then if they have a kid or two kids, then they expend one more time. Um, so you just have to realize it's a, it's a big decision yeah. for most people. And on the sales end, most agents would just think of, I want to sell this, make that money, go home. 
But you kind of have to put yourself in their shoes and be like, this is a huge decision for them. Mm-hmm. And I think once you understand that, you can relate to what their wants and needs are. And mm. if it works, it works. You know? yeah. Wow, that's so empathetic. I feel like it's rare to connect that level of empathy with real estate. Because I guess yeah. my immediate thought is that it's the person that's like, let's just get the sale and go home. Right. And I mean, there's nothing wrong. I think everybody wants to make money, but I think the best way is to connect on that level. Mm-hmm. Once you connect with them on a different level than just saying, I just want to get this deal and we'll never talk again, that kind of thing, you'll be able to do more sales. Yeah. And for the most part, a lot of my clients uh, become friends with me, close friends, normal friends. Yeah. But at least we connected on that level where we want to stay in touch. Mm-hmm. So occasionally grabbing coffee, getting dinner, you know, because those friends or past clients do also give you referrals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? so, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also I think you just like have to be kind to people to be able to run a successful business. Like mm-hmm. it's all about the consumer. It's all about these people supporting whatever business it is. Which is so great because even meeting you for the first time, it was just very easy to interact with you. And I think we were just like very open in the beginning where we were talking about your girlfriend and the second time we met, you know, <laughs> your ex-girlfriend, I'm sorry. Um, and all of that. I'm very curious about your worst sales experience, about how you did as a salesperson, because I'm sure you had uh, those awful times in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, my first transaction was was obviously the hardest. I wouldn't say it's the worst, but my first transaction was a studio in 88 Granovich Street in, fi- in Financial District. Mm-hmm. And it was, fortunately, uh, it was a Singaporean family that lived in California that was buying a place for their daughter that was going to go to NYU. So lucky daughter. And I didn't know squat. And I just like made so many mistakes. I didn't know how to answer questions when they they asked me on the spot but i was lucky enough that they were of the same nationality mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. they were very forgiving yeah of course um, and i learned and i think in fifth sales once you do once or twice you kind of get the hang of it and everything mm-hmm. else is pretty much the same a little bit different for every deal but at least you kind of get the hang of the process but that was a very difficult my first deal uh the worst one would obviously be just just rejection you know you just get rejected every day so like when you're pitching something maybe they just don't like how you're pitching it or they don't like your marketing plan or they feel like you're not good enough Mm -hmm. to sell their place or represent them in buying a place and i've gotten so much rejection but it only makes you stronger that kind of you know that saying uh you, you do need to have a really thick skin in this business but uh, yeah, rejection is part and part of uh, sales. How yeah. do you personally deal with rejection? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think about it, and I just, I just tell myself it's, it's a numbers game. Yeah, you know, the more I get rejected, the more I'll find that one person that connects with me mm-hmm. uh, and is willing to trust me with his, his property. And you know, I realize also like. I'm never going to see that person again. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. I feel like it takes a certain kind of tunnel vision to be able to get through that. I know I'm good at getting over things pretty quickly, but I need certain things. Like I have to mm-hmm. vent about it or talk about it or like go out dancing or have a drink or two with a friend, you know, and the next day I'm over it. Yeah. Especially when you're, I think you said with pitching, you're sending out and then there could be rejection over and over again in one day. It's like finding that thing that helps you get past it. 
for IG, it's a dance. For you, it's realizing you're never going to see their face again. <laughs> or yeah. his two dogs that he has. Yeah. <laughs> two dogs or just grabbing a drink. Yeah. You can have just one day that goes really well, and then next day everything else just falls apart. Completely. Yeah. And you just like, okay, here we go. Just let's go again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what's the worst can you get? Right? What's the worst that can happen to you? So, yeah. That, I think I'm still trying to understand the process. Um, you and your team, are you? constantly looking for places to try and sell for someone else and then if they say yes you step in and you start trying to find clients to sell that to um is there an outside source that's bringing you clients how does this all work um so yes you know we we pitch or i pitch with sellers to sell their places all the time Mm -hmm. or with buyers to help them buy a place you know, I've been in this business for about seven to eight years right now. So I do get a pretty good flow of referrals, referral base. Okay. So past clients, friends, you know, just kind of referring me to people. Uh, and that's obviously so much better because then the, your, the level of trust is already there. But I still go after normal sellers. Um, we do mailers, postcards. Uh, letters to buildings that I've sold before with mm. other sellers. Uh, once in a while, I do get my CEO or someone in the company saying that I would be a good fit for this specific client. And I'm grateful that I get the business that way too. But yeah, a whole different different streamlines of business. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So interesting because in a way, I think you're kind of a freelancer, right? Yeah, you've worked with this company, but you kind of get to do your own thing, and how much you make is all dependent on you, your schedule, and mm-hmm. everything. Very interesting. Going back to your first experience trying to sell this place, just for younger people who'd be listening who want to be a part of the industry, what kinds of things should they be looking out for that clients will ask about? Well, first of all, you need to know every specific detail of the specific apartment. So anything from finishes. Uh, from the floors to appliances to if there's a specific furniture um, in in the unit and then obviously the price <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, price per square feet that you are selling at uh, number of units in the building you get that question a lot and for some reason people don't know the answer mm. what was the last similar unit in the building that has traded and what was the square footage and price per square feet of that and then and then what's surrounding the building, you know? What's the closest cafe, subway, maybe some schools, um, playground, dog parks, parks, you know? Uh, you get all sorts of questions like that, just depending on, on the clients. So I think just you knowing that You have enough, to live mm-hmm. yeah. in the apartment yeah. or, you know, the house. Yeah. <laughs> right, so you definitely have to study up. And then if you want to further along, understanding... If it's a co-op, right? What's the co-op process? Is the board difficult? What documents you would need? If it's a condo, mm. uh, is it investor friendly? Uh, can I rent it out right away after I I close on it after I purchase it? Um, does it allow pets? Some co-ops don't allow pets. Mm-hmm. Some only allow cats or certain size of dogs. So I think just knowing all of this at the back of your mind will definitely like give you confidence as well as give the consumer confidence when they ask those questions on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. And for someone who's just stepping in, would you recommend 
them shadowing someone or interning with someone is there a way for them to just start as an individual yeah 100 percent. i think a lot of people when they start out they get they're very lost in this business because you know unfortunately no one's really going to help you unless Mm -hmm. there's a financial incentive for for that um so i would say definitely starting out on a team uh would be helpful where you have a team leader that can mentor you can feed you some business you know and get you going so you don't feel so disheartened Mm -hmm. from the get-go and just like me you know i started with ryan obviously i have to give him a part of my commission too for Mm -hmm. being on his team but like he said maybe on his vlog or vlog ones. Um, <laughs> it's like paying for your master's in real estate. Yeah. It's like paying tuition, right? Learning from someone, being put on listings, on properties to sell, to help sell. Maybe you're just a showing agent to do mm-hmm. the open house. Maybe you're just the one that signs in people or does the uh, board packages. But it's all part of the process of learning, of growing. And essentially what college should be right. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you can intern before you get your license, I would do that, you know, for free. Like if I had, if I could go back in time, I would have just volunteered to do paperwork yeah, or just sit in on meetings and just observe because that's what I did when I was on his team. Mm-hmm. I observed every single thing that he, he interacted with wow. every client, with every developer, the, the language he used, you know, how he reacted to certain situations. And so that itself is... Uh, invaluable i think mm. yeah did covid19 affect your business at all it did at first uh because everything shut down right like, yeah, yeah you know and we, we weren't allowed to even go out to show places um but once we were allowed to do like showings by appointment it actually picked up a lot actually covid kind of made people realize how much home means to them Wow. For sure. I would <laughs> yeah. agree as well. But also in the aspect of the pricing, because a lot of the pricing, I guess, mainstream media would say went down where it's now affordable for people to be able to have those places. Mm-hmm. Is that true from your perspective? And how do you think that it's going to change after COVID? Um, 100% true when COVID happened and interest rates were really low, uh, you know, and they still are kind of low, but they have gone up a little bit since then. But interest rates were low. People were moving out of New York City, so people were looking to sell. So if you were a buyer at that point and you had some reserves, you would have gotten a great deal, mm-hmm. rent or buy, to be honest. You know, everyone's bullish about New York City, and I think New York City is going to come back stronger I think with so the vaccine too. rollout. We're seeing more traffic on all our listings that we have. You know, so I, I think the price is going to go up. Rates are going Rates have gone up since covid and you know biden has his tax laws as well so mm-hmm. once that comes into place i think you see a lot of people just saying you know let's just come back to new york city i know that you have uh, the Yao team and i was just curious about how you're doing that when you work for a company or how you could do that are you grooming because i saw a lot of them were younger and mm-hmm. you know they aspire to be moguls in the real estate space how are you doing that with your team or what inspired you to start your team um so obviously, when I left Ryan's team, the goal was to start my own team. And I had X amount of business, which I felt like I couldn't handle on my own. And so I needed a couple of team members to kind of help me facilitate that so I can go after bigger business. So you have the brokerage, um, and then you have individuals in the brokerage that are real estate agents. 
uh, you can do it individually or you can form teams within the brokerage if you if you want to. Mm. Um, I work with my team almost every day, like on text or call or anything because they are all running around the city. Were they within the brokerage or did you have to find them yourself? Some were within the brokerage. Some I found myself, uh, but they were still under the Nest Seekers umbrella. I see. Um, yeah. And mm. they're learning, they're growing, and I, I hope I can give them enough uh, assistance and guidance so hopefully after a good amount of time they tell me hey chester like i've learned everything i could and i want to do this myself too wow. and that's i think that's the best compliment i can get right at the end of the day it's yeah. huge yeah what do you look for in a team member uh i think we talked about it a little bit uh just two things really hardworking. they have to work hard like i tell them all the time like i'm not your dad <laughs> Even though I, I am a little bit older than most of them, mm-hmm. well, all of them right now. Um, I'm not your babysitter. I don't can't tell you when to wake up, what what time to go to bed. So hardworking for sure. I don't think you can really teach that. You can kind of give them pointers and advice on or scenarios, or scenarios mm-hmm. how to balance your life. But at the end of the day, like if they want to get up and work, they'll do it on their own. So hard work and then trust. For me, it's yeah. about trust. Wow. Trusting them with my clients, trusting them that they can execute certain things without my help, uh, trusting them to take care of a buyer, buyer's tour themselves. Uh, and that comes over time. And so whenever I'm grooming a new team member, uh, it's about giving them bit by bit. Mm. So small stuff first, see how they handle it, see how they react to things, if they're good with it, if they're comfortable, if they are organized. Then giving a little bit more, a little bit more, yeah. Uh, because I've been I've been burned before when I'm giving too much at the front, and then because we're all independent contractors, they can leave anytime they want, right? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want them taking my clients or trying to take my clients, mm-hmm. you know. So it's about trust. Like real estate, it's all about that. Uh, in terms of like skills and negotiation skills or pitching skills, those can be learned. Mm-hmm. Like if you're willing to learn and put in the work you can learn that if you're gifted at that for some reason great but i think you can't take away trust and and hard work do you split your team up by territory and what areas of the city do you cover uh we do manhattan brooklyn and then queens um long island city and astoria in particular i don't necessarily put boundaries on them Mm -hmm. you know because i think that's too they're too young and energetic to run around um, but if I feel like there's a specific client or a listing that suits them, then I would bring that particular person on. So for example, uh, RJ, who's on my team, uh, he lives in Chelsea. If I have a listing in Chelsea, it makes more sense for him because mm-hmm. he's right around the corner, right on the block to, to show it, right? I have another team member, John. He lives in Brooklyn. So maybe if I have a Brooklyn listing, he also has a car. It's easier for him, right? So I think there are certain scenarios that might make sense, but I don't I don't limit them to just that. I don't yeah, say, like, yeah. hey, you only can do Manhattan. Don't do Brooklyn. You know, Do Brooklyn, but don't touch Manhattan. Because mm-hmm. I think every agent, especially young agents, they just want to be everywhere, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, Which is fine to be ambitious, yeah. I love the concept of being ambitious and being everywhere. I feel like I definitely relate to that. And also just socially, I've sort of like seen you grow and be more open to collaboration. And you sort of get to 
dissect a bit, you know, the fashion world and the art world mm. and all of these various industries that incorporate real estate and everything that they do in a sense. Is there anything that you see relates to relating to what you do and what they do? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean people that buy art buy real estate. Um people that are into fashion love real estate, right? The interior design of the apartment might be a specific designer that also does fashion or also sells art. You know, so I think they all come hand to hand. And that's more going towards the luxury point because to buy those stuff, to buy art and to dress a certain way, you do need to have that source of income coming in. Um, But 100%, I think they all go together. You see developers attending Fashion Week, obviously pre-COVID, or the Met Gala or Art Basel in Miami. So that's actually a good place to go network and meet potential clients too because mm. if they can buy a piece of art for, I don't know, 150000 or something, they can definitely buy real estate, yeah. Mm. Are these some areas that you're also interested in that you've been able to explore more through your work? Um, I guess so. I mean, definitely fashion through collaborations and stuff like that. I'm seeing, I'm seeing more on the fashion side. I think before COVID, I also get invited to a lot of art and fashion events Mm -hmm. and I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy going there and seeing, meeting people and networking and just having a good time. I would love to get more into it. Just that I think with COVID, it's just not very feasible right now. Yeah. Yeah. What would be the ultimate real estate win for you or have you already had it? No, I'm always, always trying to get more, trying to do more bigger price points uh, for sure. I think... I don't think I have an ultimate like goal, but obviously is to sell something in the twenties, thirties, maybe fifties, maybe a hundred million, you know. Mm. Uh and that's that has been done. And I know other agents that have done that. Ryan, of course, mm-hmm. uh, for a single property. It's all about just trying to push the limits and that's what I'm trying to do. And so hopefully one day I can sell something at that price point yeah what places would you be looking to buy just post pandemic what would be the smartest places for people to look at and invest in um i mean it depends if depends on your what kind of money you have right mm-hmm. um you're in new york so right. obviously you would say new york but generally <laughs> just with your studies as well yeah. you know what places seem to be on the uprise well you know florida market went crazy yeah right yeah. during the pandemic and it still is you know you see news about palm beach Miami, uh, Fort Lauderdale, just everything gets eaten up, you know, uh, by hedge funds or just by by people that have money. I think New York is a great time to buy right now because you can still get a good deal, a good price, good concession. Uh, obviously, there are certain neighborhoods that I feel like are still changing or you could say gentrification mm-hmm. is happening and might be a good time to invest and hold on to it. Like what places? Um, you know, I think the the Lower East Side, East Village, in the city at least, you know, you have places like Harlem, that's mm. still changing. Do you do real estate in upstate New York and all of the other... I'm licensed for the state of New York, mm. but I just you haven't... stay in the city, okay. Right, I just haven't mm. gone up there. Just because it's out of the way or... Yeah, not only it's out of the way, but like it's also a different market. Yeah. And so the way they do transactions is different. Like for example, in New Jersey... You don't need an attorney. 
but in New York City, you need an attorney for every transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing for like the Hamptons. It's a different market. They use different search engines, different platforms. So rather than trying to be the bigger man and trying to do it on my own, it's might as well collaborate with someone I know there and they can give the best service to my clients. Yeah, yeah. wow. Uh, but I would say Brooklyn is still hot right now. Queens is on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, Long Island City. Long Island City is on fire too. You know, similar concepts. Like if you were to buy, if you were to buy in Chelsea like five years ago before Hudson Yards, mm-hmm. you probably have made 30, 40% in return. Because, mm-hmm. but you're sitting in construction for four years or and you still are. So, you know, if you're willing to buy and hold on to it um, with the construction, with the noise, with all the changes going around, then sure. You know, it just depends. Yeah, it depends on what kind of consumer you are. Mm-hmm. Are you looking for any people to join your team currently? Um, always looking, but I'm picky. Yeah. Um, very picky just because it has to be the right fit for of me. Course. has to feel right. And they have to also feel right with me. Mm. It's hard to find someone that's willing to put the amount of time into this business in today's society for sure i think a lot of people kind of want things handed to them mm. unfortunately but uh you do, you do find some gems here and there yeah yeah and for those who want to stay in touch with you how can they contact you uh so they can contact you first <laughs> <laughs> ig uh, at nestseekers at theoutteam.com <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean yeah i mean Chester, Chester, nsseekers.com. You know, oh, I'm I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm not I'm not very active on any other social media platform. Mm-hmm. So just Chester dot Yao on on I on my Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if anyone wants to do that, happy to hear them out. Yeah. And that's for clients and also people that may want to join your team. Yeah, I mean clients, of course, anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can call me. You can knock on my door if you're fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can socialize. Socialize. More business is always better. Yeah, being busy is always good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have one more question? I think I cut you off before. I did, but I can't remember oh. what it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Right. That was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel like we got real estate for dummies. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Until next time. Thanks, thank Chester. you. Thank you for having me.